Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, we met four ordinary citizens whose lives are destined to be changed forever in the struggle against the curse of the Crimson Throne. What trials await them this time? The Cursed Campaign continues now. Welcome back to the Bestow Curse Podcast. I'm your host, Griff, and your Game Master. And I wanted to start this episode off talking to the cast. What's up, guys? Hello. Hi. Hey. Who, us? Yeah, you guys. Oh. So I wanted to talk about, we talked a ton about Corvosa last episode, and I wanted to talk about what you guys are most excited about being in this city, what you're excited to reveal in the campaign, to explore that kind of stuff. Let's start with Emily. One of the areas that caught my eye uh, when I was learning more about Corvosa was the Academy, which in my little intro scene, I talked about attending the Orsini Academy, but this is just the Academy, a much larger magical study for wizards. And reading more about it, it's pretty interesting because it's rather dark and very secretive. Like they accept nearly anyone who applies, but those that fail become test subjects for those that succeed at this school. Enter at your own risk. Yeah. And they teach a wide variety of schools of magic, but they really focus on conjuration. Yeah, that's why their Hall of Summoning has a huge tower. It's kind of like the biggest feature of the school. And the uh, kind of neat event that takes place uh, there every year is their Breaching Festival. So they invite top students from other schools and thieves' guilds, and uh, huge crowds come and get to get a small glimpse into this very secretive academy. And there is a huge prize if you can penetrate the defenses of the hall and just step foot inside of the building. So it's this huge festival every year. No one has succeeded in a long time. In the 163 years, only one person has claimed the prize. And so it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I think we'll touch on the Academy through the course of this adventure, so I don't think you'll be disappointed. Oh, good. Haley, what do you think? I'm really excited to learn more about the kind of people aspect. So, like, the government, the government's systems, and the military organizations, the noble families. Like, there are all these different, like, layers of people kind of clustered into certain groups. And I think the way that they interact in the dynamics, and especially their dynamics with potentially our characters, I think are very interesting. And you don't usually get to explore a whole lot of the like local government and local like military stuff, or even the local noble places, no- noble noble families. Usually, when you are in a AP 
you come to see like that specific mayor or that specific, you know, whatever um, family, et cetera. So it's it's kind of cool to be in a city where there's so much variety of all of those different um, kind of people groups. Factions, factions, factions. Talk to a lot of factions, the CP. Yeah. A lot of factions form, a lot of factions crumble. It's just the way she goes. I'm excited. Chris, what are you excited for? Yeah, I think both of the points that have been brought up are very, uh, very interesting. I think we also are going to find some interest and maybe some amusement in some of the more mundane parts of Corvosa. There is this Midlands district that has a variety of different shops and uh, sellers of wares there, as well as I think the, the quarters of the city guard. And I imagine we're going to be needing supplies somewhere in this campaign. So we may be interacting with some of these folks, a variety of different people who might be selling all sorts of things. And if you're not familiar with this group's 1EAP, there is a very particular uh, chain of shops called Losco that has this this uh, group of rat folk family that are selling wares within. So does Corvosa have a Losco? Do they have some other equivalent? Um, interesting questions that I have myself that I hope to get answered. We'll see. Steve? Sure. So I think what I wanted, to, what what I'm most excited about uh, was kind of alluded to in the very grand opening of this campaign in that this city was built on the bones of something that came before it on, or on the backs of the folks that once settled this land before these colonists move in. And uh, colonialization is uh, obviously a bad thing, but I, I think you see this a lot in the real world as well in a lot of cities today if you kind of peel back the layers you get to see some of the stuff that came before and maybe some of the civilizations that predated these cities that are where they are now so i think as we spend a lot of time in corvoso we're going to see some of that shawanti ancestry come through and this really cool architecture that predates all this colonialization and you'll be able to see some really excellent awesome stuff that predates all of the city of Corvosa. I'm really excited to peel back the layers of this onion and see what came before. Nice. Yeah, we'll get some of that too. Not necessarily Shawanti architecture though, but mm. some stuff. Mm. There's not a lot of Shawanti architecture, if I'm being honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I think we better kick it off. And we find ourselves in Badger and Blade in the early afternoon. And a roguish figure walks through the doorway. Yes. So Vec walks into the Badger and Blade. And the bell rings. Haley, does the Badger is the Badger and Blade set up a little bit like a like a modern day barbershop where there's a couple chairs, there's maybe a waiting area up front by the counter? Yeah, it is. So when you walk in, you would see there is probably a uh, there's there is a like newspaper stack, and right next to that there is a, a bench type of seating um, and there's a small desk right at the front no one is manning it and there is three chairs one looks like maybe it's used more than the others <laughs> and there are three mirrors and otherwise that's that's kind of it it's very like galley style so it's narrow and so really there's just one wall of hair cutting equipment and three chairs and then there's the back room and there's not really enough space for anything else 
on the other side besides that worker, so. Is there anybody in the shop right now, either either a customer or working? Well, Mir would be there. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Mir and is notably, there. the child that you said to come to work at eight in the morning never showed up. What? I thought I was adopting a kid. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, that's very sad, but... <laughs> Uh, Vec enters. He's probably a little late, later than he usually is. Um, How you doing, man? He grabs a paper, tosses a copper onto the counter, and then walks to the kind of more worn down chair. This is the one that Mir clearly favors over the other to cut folks' hair in. Yeah. If she was successful enough, maybe the other two would be used more and she'd have more people. (laughs) Yeah, you see... On the front page of the Ears of the City, the paper that Mirror keeps stocked in bold. King Eodrid sick? Question mark. And it shows kind of a bedraggled sketch of him on the front page. Jace, by the power of the first Islante, Mir, this guy looks a little under the weather. Oof, not looking good, I'll say. What kind of sickness do you think it is? I don't know. Griff, could I could I maybe roll something to see? If I can tell from this photo, or maybe the if I start reading, it might give me some more details. Yeah, you can start reading, and it basically says he's he's gone pale. He hasn't made a public appearance in a month now, uh, and the last time he was seen, he he looked under the weather and nobody's really seen him in person, or at least from the ears of the city's perspective, nobody's seen him, and so suspicion is rising. Can't say that I have much love for the bloke here, but don't read like a common cold or an influenza. This man's been sick for a minute now and ain't getting any better. What do I know, I guess, about Corvosa to tell me, like, what what kind of impact realistically in a city like Corvosa does having the king die do? That would be a society check. Not for me. I could have I, I should have looked at my sheet before I asked this because I would have known I couldn't have figured anything out. Yeah, you don't really know about <laughs> politics. I know nothing, yeah. Can't be good. Definitely not. So are you looking for the regular? Yeah, you know how I like it. Take some off the sides in the back. Leave a little on top for the ladies. You know how it is, Mia. I gotta keep up this figure. And you hear the pitter-patter of little paws coming from the back uh, as Figgy bursts through the back curtain. The badger trots up to Vec and kind of sniffs at his boots before hopping up onto his shin and sniffing up, looking up at him. Ah, you little scamp. And maybe like Mir's starting to go in with the with the scissors or something and Vec like leans forward right before and picks up Figgy and plops him on his lap, starts shaking the sides of his head. <laughs> you still you still haven't given your mother a bunch of trouble? <laughs> oh, I know you. Get down, you're on hair duty. And Figgy hops off of Vex's lap, 
It's okay, little buddy. I'll pet you later. There'll be time for that. Don't worry. And as Mir is cutting Vex's hair, Vex flipping through the paper still and notices a card on page three drops out of the paper, lands in his lap. Well, what have we here? It's right in front of you, bud. Okay. What is it? This is a Harrow card. Looks to be a lawful neutral card called The Marriage. Okay. There's a, a fiery man and a watery female here kind of side by side. And they have like a child between the two of them that looks like it's wearing an old timey diver bell helmet, kind of like a, a big daddy in Bioshock. And a message on the back reads, Gadrin Lamb is making a mockery of your family name. He's wronged me as well. I know where he dwells, yet cannot strike at him. Come to my home at 3 Lancet Street at sunset. Others like you will be there. Gadrin must face his fate, and justice must be done. What you got there? And that kind of exhales heavily. You know, I thought looking at this card that you might be sending me some messages, Mia. Believe me, I'm not trying to get tied down. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Seems like somebody knows that I've got bad blood with one Gadrin Lamb. You ever heard that name before? Who hasn't? Well, someone knows that I don't like Mr. Lamb. And someone put this card in this newspaper that I picked up today. How would that be? You didn't put this in here, did you? And Mir doesn't even say anything. She puts all of it, all of it down, and she runs over to her, like, like near, like right into the back room, and like grabs her card. And she comes out, and she's said, "I got one too." Oh, what's yours say? The same. Looks but like using same. your family's name. It has the same instructions to come tonight. Interesting. Interesting. Looks to be the same handwriting as well. I never did describe mine, by the way. You did a great description of yours. Thanks. I would like to just point out mine is um, what looks to be a, a shorter woman, maybe a dwarf, holding a tiefling baby upside down with smoke coming off of the baby blood everywhere all over the ground and um, a man crying in the background. I don't know, yours is much more sinister <laughs> than mine. <laughs> the midwife, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Maritor, I got a question for you. You see the boy that delivered the paper this morning? It was the same one as always? I same, same as every day. Now, how might somebody know that I was going to pick up this very paper in this very establishment on this very day? I'm later than normal. I'm usually here first thing in the morning when you open up. Fate's a crazy thing, Mia. I guess fate figured out what I was going to be doing today. And Griffin... I mean, I know this is up to both of us a little bit, but how many... <laughs> customers do you think I really would have had? 
Uh, enough to take a couple of papers. That's what, that's kind of what I was thinking. Oh. So it's not even like it was the top stack or anything. Mm-hmm. How did you get yours? A child brought it to me. Oh. He was actually supposed to be here. He was on hair duty, but I guess that's Figgy for now. <laughs> Figgy coughs up a ball of hair. <laughs> Peggy, you can't play eating that. Wreck hell in your digestion. He looks at you with a knowing look, like, how am I supposed to pick it up? He's supposed to use his tail to sweep it. He starts sweeping it with his tail, begrudgingly. I guess our our path is sealed for us, Mia. What time does it say on the back of this card? Three? No, that's the address. Sunset. Sunset, it is. All right. How about this, Mia? You finish up my haircut, I'll go about my business, come back here right before dusk, and then we'll walk over together. Yeah, why don't you make me... Do either of you have society? I know Mia doesn't. No. Uh, Vec, you might actually have to spend some time this afternoon asking around as to where this is. Don't got much better to do, so sure. Sure. So we don't obviously know it from it being like... Doesn't sound like it's in old docks. Oh. It's not Lancet Street, it's not a street in Old Ducks. Tell you what, I'll go ask the local populace. Usually don't have problem having people talk to me and give up some information. A young woman this morning painted me in Reef Claw Market. Painted me. And she painted the king. Ain't that funny? That doesn't quite seem right. Am I do I do I have the painting? Yeah, she would have given it to Look you. Look at that! <laughs> <laughs> just like me! If you did not have that painting, Mira would have 100% not believed you. <laughs> if I had a couple more couples to my name, I might even get it framed. How'd that happen? I don't know. You can hang it in your shop if you like. Might bring in a couple no. more customers. I got a rakish hairdo in the photo. Think about it. I'd prefer you had the haircut first. That's fair. Let's get to it, then. <laughs> Steve, why don't you make me a diplomacy to gather information? And this is, like, over the course of the day? Over the course of a couple hours. Sure. Can I ask people who come into my shop, too? It's less amount of- If you want to make a diplomacy as well, you could. Yeah, I'm not good at this, but I could try. All right, well- once everything's all said and done at the barber shop, uh, Vec's gonna be walking around town, maybe chatting some folks up. I got a twelve. I got a sixteen plus zero. Damn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, both of you meet the DC. It's not a very difficult one. You figure out that this three Lancet Street is uh, on a street in Midlands which is on the other side of the bridge, the other side of the Strait of St. Alika from Old Corvosa. It shouldn't be too difficult to get there. You think you'd be able to walk over there in about 15, 20 minutes from Badger and Blade. Great. Well, I think then our plan is in order. About when it's it's about to start uh, getting late in the afternoon, Vec would show back up and we could walk over. Sure. Let's hop over to the Traveling Man Tavern. Diego, you're the first to arrive with Gakin, your young ward. 
uh, who really seems to be in the need of a drink today. When you walk in, it's empty, as you probably expected. There's not a ton of people, not a ton of traffic here. Uh, in fact, this tavern is closest to the to one of the spots where the Odiugs can come out of the sewer. And so, Ugh. unless that's happening, when that happens, this is a very bumping popular tavern. But when that's not happening, it's because people can watch. People are into that? People are into watching. <laughs> yeah, they like okay, to watch. Okay, you say so. Uh, but, but outside of that, it's relatively quiet. It's not one of the rowdy taverns in Old Corvosa. And so when you arrive, it's really just the barkeep, you and Gakin. I think Diego will walk up to the bar with Gakin in tow and uh, sort of flag down the bartender. A drink for my friend here. He's uh, He's had a long one today. Water for me, if you please. Water, all right. Uh, what is he drinking? And Gakin kind of mutters, "We'll have an ale. One ale, please." It's kind of like de- he's looking a little dejected today. But the barkeep slides the two drinks over, and you guys make your way to a corner table. Diego, how do you deal with all of the bustle? How did you find this place so empty? I happened into a few other places that were less accommodating before I found this one. Several iterations of trial and error before I found this place. You're you're lucky to have this and know of this place. Your first time in the city. Things take a while to get used to, but you're a good lad and you're Thousand Bones is is a good mentor. You've you've got that same strength I see in you. I appreciate that, Diego. I just need to get used to things, I guess. And you will. In time. These things do take time. Thousand Bones hasn't been in the city for as long as he has to understand the importance that time has on relationships and customs. Well, I will say we miss him greatly at the Callow Mounds. The whole tribe wishes he were with us, but he seems to think his purpose is here. I know that some in the tribe might see folly in what he does, but he has his heart set and he is convinced of his purpose. There's one thing I've come to understand in this life is that a man with such purpose you mustn't get in the way of. Will said. He takes a drink. And as he does, the tavern door slowly opens. And a young woman with mismatched hair, mismatched eyes enters. Sylvie, you're following up on a lead. The traveling man supposedly has information you seek. It does. Sylvie knows that she's not the most skilled with talking to people and getting information out of them. So instead of outright asking for the information, she's gonna go up, order a drink, and kind of get the lay of the lay of the land, kind of see what's going on in this bar. Uh, so she'll go up to 
the bartender. Hello there, our young lady. ID? <laughs> Got her. Sylvie's not that young. You're in the college equivalent, right? Yeah. Eyes, <laughs> right other? <laughs> yeah, she Hair definitely. Other. <laughs> she can't have a fake. That portrait's of her. <laughs> well, what are you be drinking then? I will have a glass of your finest wine. Uh, well, I, I might have an older vintage. I'll go back, check the casks. <laughs> See what we've got going on. Hmm. Yes, and, and he, he kind of eyes your family crest, and realizing that uh, he doesn't normally get nobles in the bar and would go, he kind of shuffles down to the wine cellar to try and dig something up, and he returns with a, a chellish red, decent vintage. It's not a rot gut wine. It's probably not the best you've ever had, but... It will do. <laughs> Pours you a glass. There's only a couple, couple more of these. We only have, uh, we have a couple more glasses of this left. She takes a taste, and probably tolerable. She's had better, but probably also had worse. So she just says, "This will do." Anything else I can do for you? There is some information I may need from you, but for now, I shall enjoy my glass of wine. You flatter me, information. Interesting. And she'll go uh, sit down with her wine at a table so that she can uh, kind of observe the room. Even though it is fairly empty, she just wants to be able to watch comings and goings of people. Sure. There's not much to watch, though. As you sit at, sit down at a table with a good vantage point on the room, you see the bartender, obviously, and then a young Shwanti man seated at a table with this hulking catfolk. And as you swirl this moderate vintage <laughs> and put it down on your uh, coaster, there's actually something sitting on the coaster. Oh, she's going to take a look. Yeah, it's a Harrow card. Ooh, I have... The Juggler, which is a chaotic good card. It has a giant figure, very happy, juggling an elephant, a clock tower, a boat, and there's a poor person caught up in the air with this card. Hardcore juggling. Yeah, very, uh, very risky. You're not joking about giant. This person is mm-hmm. massive. So a card appeared at your table, uh, but for the life of you, you didn't see somebody put it there. That's really weird. And it does it say anything else on it? It does. If you turn it around, it says, I know what Gadrin has done to you. He's wronged me as well. I know where he dwells, yet cannot strike at him. Come to my house at 3 Lancet Street at sunset. Others like you will be there. Gadrin must face his fate, and justice must be done. And that probably the strongest lead you've gotten. Yeah. Did she notice this card when she got her drink from the bartender? Mm-mm. Oh. It's like she put her drink down, picked it up and took a sip, and the card was there. Well, if it wasn't the bartender, there's only two other people in this bar. 
She'll take the card, kind of look over it. This is, I guess, the lead she was looking for coming here. She's going to get up and she'll walk over to uh, the only other people in the bar with her card uh, and set it down on the table uh, without showing like what it says on the back, just the card. What is the meaning of this card? Was this of your doing? And she looks at the two men at the table. Diego looks at the card and up to her. You might notice the emblem that she wears, but would not know enough about the origins or the significance of it other than that she must be someone of nobility or importance. I don't mean you any disturbance, but I know nothing of this card, and neither does my my companion here. This is not of our doing. You you happened upon this? It just appeared on my under my drink. Did you see anyone pass by or anything of the unusual? There's been no one in here except for the bartender and you. Maybe worth asking the bartender if he's seen someone come in here and sit at that table, but I don't I don't know quite what that would be. And Diego will just kind of take a cursory glance around around the room. Yeah, you take a glance around. Make a perception check. It was almost gonna be a natural one, but that is a natural nineteen for a twenty-three. So you glance around the room, you don't see any anyone out of the ordinary, but you wield a large Warhammer, and you've leaned it against your booth, and you see stuck in the wrapping a similar-looking card. He will take the card off of his mall and take a look at it. The one he has is looks to be called the Bear, which is a a, a bear and uh, circus attire, almost on top of a what looks to be a unicycle wielding a scepter. I think it's a neutral, true neutral card. He will, he'll look at it and look to this person who's, who's just asked him about the card too and says, it seems that I have one as well. This, whoever's, whoever's given this to us has interest in both of us. We'll turn the card over and look at it too. I know who killed you. Come to three Lancet street at sunset. Yo, Alright, that's 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 a that's a drop. He will look at the back of this card and slip it into his pocket and turn towards Gaken. Gaken, perhaps it's best if you finish your drink and head back to Thousand Bones. You know the way, yes? Of course. I will meet you back there after some time. I have something I must attend to. I'm sorry, I didn't quite get your name, miss. What, uh... Where do you hail from? What is your name? My name is Sylvia of Ausfordice, but you may call me Sylvie. It seems we have a connection. I am pleased to treat with someone of such nobility and honored that you would speak plainly with me. As you can tell, I'm not from here. My name is Diego. It is a pleasure to meet you. It is nice to meet you as well. The back of the card that I have mentions some information from someone at 
3 Lancet Street. Not familiar with the addresses of this place. Do, do you have something similar on yours? Or are you are you familiar with the uh, the location? Uh, so that is the same on hers. And I, uh, Sylvie, is trained in society. Yeah, go ahead and give me a roll. That is a 16. Yep, you know how to get there, Midlands. I know the way to this address. We can go together if you would like. These are strange circumstances we find ourselves in. If you wouldn't mind, I would like to accompany you. It seems that perhaps we may have something in common, though though our paths are diverse and is far-fetched for us to meet together. It may seem strange that we would have a common ground, but this is a large city with many people and many troubles. I think we may have more in common than you think. Diego nods in agreement. And so Sunset arrives and Diego, Sylvie, Mir, and Vec all find themselves in front of a humble home. The lights are on inside, and on the front door is a note. Thank you for coming. I had to step out for a bit, but shall return shortly. Please have a seat while you wait. The basket under the table contains bread and drink for you. That's so weird. Yeah, you never trust somebody on a Halloween that leaves the whole basket of candy. So the door's just unlocked, ready for entry. You try the door, and it opens up. Do we all show up at the same time? I know we're traveling in pairs here. I'd say maybe Vec and Mir arrive first. All right, Haley. So uh, do we go in? Uh, yeah, I think the I think that Mir would try the door, and it would um, as if it as it opens. Figgy might dart in at yeah, the Figgy. appeal Figgy, of come on. bread and drink. <laughs> Figgy just <laughs> sniffing, smelling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the interior of this small, humble home consists of a single cozy chamber filled with a fragrant haze of flowers and strong spice. The aroma comes from several sticks smoldering in wall-mounted burners that look like butterfly-winged elves. The smoke gives the room a dreamy feel. The walls are draped with brocaded tapestries, one showing a black-skulled beast juggling human hearts, and another showing a pair of angels dancing atop a snow-blasted mountain. A third tapestry on the the far wall depicts a tall, hooded figure shrouded in mist holding a flaming sword in a skeletal hand. Several brightly colored rugs cover the floor, but the room's only furnishings are a wooden table covered by a bright yellow throw cloth and several elegant tall-backed chairs, a basket covered by blue cloth, sits under the table. Quite strange trappings to put about your house, didn't you think, man? I not my style. My neither. Piggy is sniffing the basket. Piggy, <laughs> I doubt they left earthworms for you. I'll go ahead and check out the basket. That's what I was just looking at my skills to see if there's anything that could tell me if it's poisonous. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, you do find a basket of bread and some wine next to it. The wine is also not of a particularly notable vintage for our Sylvies of the world, but shortly thereafter, so about the time you're checking the basket, you hear footsteps approach behind you. Careful, Maya. Vet kind of takes a more defensive stance looking at the door. I mean, this is, this is a really strange situation. Yeah. I can't imagine being in this situation in real life and being comfortable with it. You see a long shadow. Oh, no. <laughs> One of the longest you've ever seen. Um, a large, dark-furred catfolk fills the doorway, and he ducks to enter the room, and behind him, a younger-looking woman uh, in fancy clothes steps through. All right, you two, then. What'd you call us here for? I was just about to ask you two the same thing. We've received cards directing us to this address. Mir would pull out her card and ask, Are your cards like this? Sylvie pulls hers out as well. It is uh, similar, not quite the same, but much like yours. They all look like they came from the same deck. They do. Cool. If you were to match them all up, they have the same handwriting. Interesting. All right, so it looks like whoever arranged this meeting wanted all four of us here. Can I get the pleasure of knowing your names? Sylvie takes a uh, small bow. My name is Sylvia of House Four Dice. You may call me Sylvie. And I am Diego. Sylvie, Diego, pleased to meet you. My name's Vakaris Railbay, but you can all call me Vec. This here's my barber. <laughs> Mir. And that's Figgy. Sorry. Sorry, you're, you're what now? Bear? Like, bear? Barbear. <laughs> yeah, Blake. <laughs> She, she trims me up, makes me look pretty for the ladies. Seems like she could uh, do some good for you as well, being all covered in fair. This is not something you're able to do yourself? No, <laughs> no, mate. Maybe I could trim the sides and the top, but how am I going to trim the back and make it look good? Hmm. Is your air so high maintenance that you must bring your barber to you for every occasion? Sylvie, my dear, you'd be surprised. You are more eye maintenance than many that I know. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. <laughs> Diego would spy the basket of bread and um, take a loaf or chunk, whatever they have to offer, examine it to see if it's anything bad about it. And if there is nothing, he will break it within the house and take a bite. Sure. You, uh, one of the loaves, you sniff it, maybe trying to smell for poison or malignant herbs. Uh, smells like cinnamon. Like there's a cinnamon twist in it, maybe. The taste you can see. The taste you can see. <laughs> and he'll... Nothing's wrong with it. He will break into it. Sure. Yeah, Mir would uh, want to join, for sure. She's willing to take any free food and wine that she can get. She is penny-pinching. <laughs> yeah, Vec, <Yeah>, too. <laughs> Your boy broke. <laughs> Sylvie's not eating the floor bread in this 
It's like <laughs> it's, in, it's, it's above the floor. It's on like a little cubby under the table. It's in a basket. It's in a basket. <laughs> the floor bread. To be fair, of nobility, you certainly would not. Um, Sylvie spits on the floor bread. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't. Wouldn't probably wouldn't dig into unaccompanied food. And yeah, so so Vex, taster is in here. Yeah. Vex, Vex pouring himself a glass of wine. Oh, and Omaha maintenance one. Okay, okay. I'll see you. So maybe you get to discussing what or who brings you here. Uh, it seems there's a common thread with your cards, at least for the most of you. I imagine me and myself both have illusions to a Mr. Lamb in our cards. Yours might say the same, Diego and Silva. Is that true? It is. I am investigating him. I am hoping this is the lead I needed. This is a name that I've heard before, too. It's been told to me by others, and one that I do not enjoy hearing of, but one that I've searched for myself in the past to no avail. Yeah, yeah, seems like we've got something in common then. I'm ready to take this fuck down. What did he do to you? He besmirched my family name, took what was ours, strutting about like he owns the place in Old Corvosa. It's got my name on it. It's mine. That sounds like quite the transgression. You ever know the old Railby Mercantile building on the coast there, out east? Is that like a pretty common thing that... I cannot say that I... Not in your lifetime. Okay. (laughs) I cannot say that I have. No, no, I wouldn't imagine someone from House Fordyce ever making their way down to the slums and out east. But if you did, you might see a big old building with Railby Mercantile on the side. Once belonged to my family. Railby family, that is. And now Gage and Ram squatting in it. Bringing a blight on my people, my line. And I've about had enough of it. Sylvie narrows her eyes a little bit. You do not know me or my life. Do not presume information you do not have. No, I don't know you, but I know your kind. What are you here for? I am here for Lamb. He is spreading Shiva to the community and he lies about the effects and pushes it onto people who do not understand the risks involved is causing a blight oh you're one of those self-righteous rich folk types coming down here to walk among the populace and make our lives better well i guess i can appreciate your help then she crosses her arms I know firsthand the pains that these drugs can cause and the allure of them once you try to stop using them. Shiva is not an easy drug to kick, and if you take too much, you'll never wake up. I imagine you don't speak from experience then. She glances down at the ground. I wish that was true. All right. There. There. 
The man's besmirching my name. He's hurt you. Fine. I'll get it. Big failure. What are you here for? I hesitate to tell you my past history with this man as the the facts as they've been told to me sound too outrageous to be believed. Oh no, by all means. I I just described my fall from grace. We just heard that Sylvie here is a fucking pusher and you're fine. You're a little too mysterious for us. Big cat folk boy walking about. All right. Keep your secrets. At this point, Mir's awkwardly going to eat and drink the bread and ask, Where do you think the person who called us here is? She does not feel comfortable with the tension that has been created in the room. As everyone's eyes, <laughs> as everyone's eyes are on her, asking, wait for her to explain what's, what's going on. No idea. It is rather rude to call us here and not even bother to show up. Can we like look? Can I look around the room with my good perception and see if I see anything that can, like a bell, sure, something? Uh, why don't you make me a will save? Oh, oh what? Another. I keep getting eights. An eight on the die goes to a seventeen. You look around the room. Nothing seems amiss. Hmm. Looks well lived in and like the person that called you all together probably just stepped out for a few minutes or the more paranoid side of you might feel like you're being watched oh if they are not here in the next 10 minutes we are free to leave that is that is what I do at the academy (laughs) 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 after Diego's non-response Sylvie looks towards Mir so what is it that brings you here his thugs came and ran through everyone's businesses everybody's on my street I lost three days worth of work that's a lot almost couldn't pay rent really hurt a lot of the people around me too and I had to help them I lost a lot of sleep and a lot of business and I fear he's gonna do it again he's got too much power and at this you hear the front door creak open and an attractive Varesian woman with dark hair uh, maybe in her late 30s walks through the door and greets you all Uh, hello there I am so glad you could all join me my name is Zalara welcome to my home please make yourselves comfortable I'd introduce myself but it seems like you probably already know who I am and probably the other three people in this in this lovely home Yes, Vicaris, I do know who you are. Please, all of you, sit. Sit. We have much to discuss. Thank you all for for coming and for putting up with my (laughs) unconventional way of contacting you. 
I have reason to remain hidden. You see, a vicious man who would see great harm done to me if he knew I was reaching out to help. This man has done something terrible to each of you as well. I speak, of course, of Gaedrin Lam, a man whose cruelty and capacity to destroy lives of those he touches is matched only by his gift for avoiding reprisal. You see, a year ago, his sieves stole this, my hero deck, from me, and she kind of pulls out a deck of cards and begins deftly shuffling it. It is important to me, an heirloom passed down through a dozen generations. And also my sole means of support. When Lam's pickpockets stole it, my son Iran tracked them down and returned my deck to me. But Gadrin had him followed, and soon after he left my home, Gadrin's thugs murdered him. I sought help from the Corvos and Guard, but they turned me away. And so I asked around. I paid bribes. I consulted my hero deck for advice. And recently I was rewarded. I found out where Gadrin dwells. He can be found in an old mercantile building at West Pier 17. Vicaris, I think you will recognize the place. Your family used to own it after all. There he trains abducted children to be pickpockets and counts his stolen treasures. But I need your help. I cannot hope to face this man on my own, and the guard moves so slowly that, they were, that if they were willing to help, Gadrin would have certainly already figured out they were coming and left. And even if they did arrest him, what guarantee would I have that he would be punished? This criminal has evaded the law for decades. But you know these frustrations as well. For word on the street is, Gadrin has wronged each of you too. So there we are. It's time for him to pay. At this, she kind of looks at Diego knowingly. Diego touches the, uh, the maul on his back knowingly. If you do have his location as you say you do, it would please me greatly to be able to take him down and bring justice to him as as I understand what he's done. Well, as I said, I can point you in the correct direction. However, I do think that it may be useful for the four of you if I were, if you would allow me to perform a harrowing, to give you information on what is to come, to give you information about each other you may not know. You are all strangers, yes? Me is my barber. <laughs> so not all strangers. I've had closer acquaintances than my barber, but... You need a new barber. <laughs> He's looking for clients. I mean, he comes weekly. We're pretty familiar. What do you know of the hero? Anything? I have heard tell of it, but it's... It's not a tradition that I am familiar with. Well, 
We must begin with the choosing, to find what role each of you will play. Please return to me all of the cards I have given you. Shit, are we about to do an actual live We are. Reading? Yep. I'm going to do a live Hera reading. And I'm going to explain so this to the listeners a little bit. So Damn. the Harrow is kind of like tarot in a way where you can use it to... Uh, many of the characters across Galarian use it to divine things. Uh, so fortune tellers and the like use Harrow cards in order to look into the future. Do you know if, if like the real world equivalent tarot cards, it also has a regular normal like card game that goes with it because that's an interesting thing about tarot is it started isn't just a card game and then people started using them to divine things yeah i don't know i know you can do a harrow with playing cards if you want hmm. interesting is it because you know as a player i'm not actually familiar is it is it something that's specific to pathfinder lore or does it come from elsewhere it is from Pathfinder lore. So based on tarot, but literally just within the confines of this lore. I believe Dungeons and Dragons has its own version of something similar to tarot. Cool, cool. Whew. So, are you, for are the you listeners. Doing this, uh, for our characters or for us? I'm doing this for your characters. Oh, I want to know my future. Uh, but for the listeners. Off air, off air. Uh, the choosing is where each participant in a harrowing pulls a card out of the deck. Depending on the question asked, so the question you're trying to find the answer to with the harrowing, a suit is chosen. The harrow deck contains a suit for each ability score in the game. The suit of keys for dexterity, the suit of shields for constitution, the suit of hammers for strength, the suit of stars for wisdom, crowns for charisma, and books for intelligence. The question that you're likely asking is how will we defeat Gadrin Lamb? Or maybe more broadly, what is our role to play in the city going forward? And for that question, we'll be drawing from the deck of keys. So I've shuffled the deck of keys. I need each of you to draw a card. Zalara looks around the room and first she looks at Sylvie. What is it you have drawn? I have the dance. Mm, the dance. You are someone who has lived her life following the rules or being punished when she does not. For the dance to work much like the universe itself, everyone within it must abide by its rules lest the entire thing collapse. If you do not stay in perfect step, you may find great peril. So do so at your own risk. What does the card look like? It has a woman with uh, ribbons twirling around her and she's holding a baton and she's uh, mid-twist and it looks like there are some orbs circling Ooh. her as well. Oh. oh. Hearing that information, uh, Sylvie grasps the family crest that's um, holding her cloak on 
and replies, I am doing my best for me and my family. I can see that you feel as though you are a misstep in this dance. For your family, you feel that you are the step out of place. The one on the outside, looking in on the dance. But know that with the right steps, you will reimagine the dance for the, the four dices of the future. I have many dreams of bringing my family back to its greatness from which it has fallen. I will strive to find that step. And you, Mirota, what have you drawn? The peacock. The peacock. By the way, for those uh, who want to know what the the card actually looks like, it is certainly not a peacock. Uh, it looks like a dragon. Or if it is a peacock, it's very, very sick. But it looks almost more like a furry dragon than a peacock. And there is a, like stone head behind it. You know, this stands for a creature of astonishing beauty. You know about a beauty working in the hair industry, I suppose. But you seem more wise than that. Beauty can only be kept forever if it's frozen like in stone. You, well, smart people, I assume like you, know that the passage of time is important. You're going to have to deal with a shift in society and the way you live your life. If you're wise, you will work with it, not against it. Because if you value the way your life is now, that is much like valuing the beauty of the peacock. It is only temporary. And Diego, what did you draw? The card I have is the cricket. It is a very anthropomorphic cricket, dressed in gaudy attire, a top hat, a full suit, Shuffling a, a deck of cards. Next to him is a what looks to be a massive peach or fruit of some sort with a rapier embedded in it. As a cricket, a creature whose mind is as quick as its body, it represents speed and quick passage. The peach next to it is the treasure at the end. But much like the cricket, you will have to travel to find such treasure. You are in Corvosa now, but the land is strange to you. You may have to go home, but what you find there may, di may be difficult for you, although it may also be rewarding. Just know that the journey is usually worth what's at the end of it. And you, Vicaris, what have you drawn? You know, Mrs. Alara, I'm not sure I believe in all this occultism stuff, but I drew a 
card that I don't know if it quite meshes up with who I am. I've got the Demon's Lantern. The description of this card, it's a swampy or, or boggy scene, and a hand is reaching out from the, the, the water, kind of trying to clasp at the air. And there are three glowing lights floating in the air above the hand, far out of reach. It's almost like the hand's reaching for it, but not even close to grabbing one of these lights. There's a green one, a blue one, and a red one. And they're pretty indistinguishable. They're not fireflies. They're not, they're, they're just balls of light. I, I don't know what they are, but it's a, it's a little creepy. The Demon's Lantern is a card of traps and tricks. Sleight of hand and sleight of mind. These Willowisps and the man who sods their light represent an impossible situation. You have led an impossible life. And an impossible situation stands before you. You will have to give up much to save many. Foreboding to be sure, indeed. So you've all written down what card you received. Now I need them back. Go ahead and shuffle the deck once more. And for everyone listening, he's shuffled the cards in front of us. Um, this time in the last. Should I make the shuffle noise? You know what? Uh, Might as well. I'll give it a bridge. Oh, the ASMR folks are going <laughs> to eat that up. They'll lose it. They're losing it, boys. They're going wild for it. That was the good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by people who are able to bridge. I know it's not a, like a a lot of people can do it, but I've just never f- been able to like pull it off uh, nicely. It's actually really easy with the hero cards because they're big cards. Mm. They're big and bendy. Yeah, they're big bendy tarot cards. So, all right, someone closer to the table than me. I need three cards across the top, three cards in the middle, and three cards in the bottom. And the order in which you place them is important. So it has to be the three in the top, then the three in the middle, then the three in the bottom. As Emily is placing the cards, Zolara explains. Now that we have done the choosing, we must perform the reading. You'll start with your past and move to the present and then the future. For those at home, we have a three by three grid. The first column, much like the alignment chart, represents law. The second column represents neutrality, and the third column represents chaos. The top row represents the positive, the good. The second row represents the neutral or the unclear, and the bottom represents the evil or the unfavorable. As we read through these, law is set in stone. It is the past. It cannot be changed. Neutral is things that are happening, things in motion, things that will influence the future and are influenced by the past. And chaos is the future, always up to change and the least certain. Of each of those, we will discover a positive an unclear and a negative aspect of the past from this party. Same with the present and same with the future. 
And so Zalara begins the reading, revealing the first three cards, the lawful column, the past. Lawful good. The tyrant. Oh. Mm. Lawful neutral, the cyclone. Lawful evil. The snake bite. A couple of evil cards revealed here. Something to note in the Harrow deck is that there are certain alignments that are more impactful to a reading. Sometimes cards can be misaligned, such as a lawful evil card showing up in the lawful good spot. The most misaligned would be a chaotic evil card showing up in the lawful good spot. But cards that are misaligned have particular influence on the reading, as do cards that are correctly aligned. So a lawful good card in the lawful good spot. The tyrant indicates a ruler who is a blight upon those ruled. It might be a monarch, an overseer, a head of household. But whoever this person is, they do harm to those they hold sway over. However, we show this in the positive past. One of you has a set path. Something where the the decisions have been made before you were born. Something rules over you and influences the way in which you will conduct business. However, this may not be a malignant influence. In fact, this may be a boon. If there is a driving force behind one of you, it may lead all of you, and it may lead you to something greater. The cyclone is a force that tears through whatever it meets. This disaster does not come in the source of natural order, but is one that comes from the place's intelligence. The cyclone signifies war, arson, or other plans to destroy everything it touches. This is interesting. You sense a conflict in your past, a great clash between two forces. And she turns to Sylvie, two houses. And this bitter clash will not end well for either party. Do you have such a feud? There is a family, the Aus Zenderholm. They have displaced mine as a great household. Then you must be careful. Vengeance for the sake of vengeance, much like the cyclone, will destroy everything in your path. The snake bite is a vile, poisoned weapon. Poison takes many forms, not all of them physical. The poison on the assassin's blade represents the death of ideals and freedom, as well as the ability to turn friends against each other or poison the minds of the virtuous. One of you has been tainted, has had 
dealings, or maybe been forced to have dealings, with the unsavory, and that is turning them away from their path. The path of the righteous is not met with snakes and cowards. Criminals will seek to destroy you and change you and bend your ideals. And at this, she kind of knowingly looks at Mir. Mir's gonna make sure that she looks around like, that's, who not, not me, and tries to be very much not obvious about this. She, that's not something she wants everybody to think she's in. Now, hmm, sus. <laughs> sus. <laughs> <laughs> now we shall explore the present. Neutral good, the teamster. Neutral neutral, the liar. Doesn't seem very neutral. Neutral evil, the joke. The teamster is a driving external force that keeps the subject going, no matter what. This force could be physical or mental. As a person who exhorts others to continue on when they have no more strength to give. The force can be good for good or evil, but it cannot be ignored. For you, this force is Gadrin Lamb. Aligned positively, this means... That him bringing you together means you have a greater purpose in defeating this man. Something about the four of you will transcend your defeat of Gadrin Lamb. And it will bring about positive change in Corvosa. The liar is less certain. It is love that is most treacherous. This is not the love that moves mountains. This is the love that rips the heart in two and causes lovers to leap to their deaths. This could mean obsession, unrequited passion, or even worse, doomed love. For good or for ill, I see an unrequited love but not for the four of you. There is a one-sided love that will shape what is to come in Corvosa, a liar at the top of the hill that will spell doom for many. If this love was two-sided, this city may flourish, but instead, darkness. The joke shows a terror that must be overcome, but not by physical means. This monster can only be defeated by trickery or artifice. Unfortunately, this joke will be played on you. Someone with flowered words, maybe using their humor, will pull one over on you. You must be on your guard. They may have already succeeded, or will succeed shortly. Do not let them. And now for the future. All right, Chaotic Good is the first card. The Winged Serpent. Chaotic Neutral. The Carnival. Chaotic Evil. The Idiot. 
the carnival is perfectly aligned. Ooh. That's good. In fact, everything is correctly aligned in the future. Oh. Is it? Yes, we have a good card, a neutral card, and an evil card. However, the carnival is chaotic neutral, and it's in the chaotic neutral slot. As the winged serpent is a powerful being, knowledge and prudence are separate keeps bridge by understanding. This represents this bridge and knowing whether now is the time to strike. Something will tell you in the future when to strike out on your enemies. This may come in the form of a sign. Be on your guard. You may see things that start to make sense to you if you only look deeper. You have a strong ally already. You can see it. In the future, you will be able to call on them and you will understand why things are the way they are. Oh, the carnival. This will have the strongest bearing on this whole reading. So take heed. The carnival is a card of illusions and false dreams. It can heighten the power of the arcane, but depending on such whimsical forces can be risky. And for you, this may depict unrealistic ambition. You all must be careful about your dreams, for your dreams may be your downfall. Take heed and do not reach too high, lest you get too close to the sun and fall. The idiot I see the card of grave foolishness and greed. The goblins in this card have captured the foolhardy man. This represents the knowledge that loss of dignity can precede loss of life. You will have to grovel to get what you need. This goes hand in hand with giving up on your wildest ambitions. If you wish to succeed, if you wish to survive, you may have to debase yourself in some way to get where you need to go. This may mean that not all your dreams are attainable, but it also may mean your life. You may have to bribe, you may have to cheat, but in the end, don't let the world make an idiot of you, make an idiot of the world. And with that, she waves her hand over the table and the cards kind of deftly slide under her hand and she puts them back in the deck and shuffles it up and sends you on your way. And we'll continue the curse campaign next time. All right. Woo! Oh, boy. The Bestow Curse Podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. 
Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.